And welcome aboard the Killcoin Conversation on this icy Monday around St. Louis. Hopefully you're safe and sound. Maybe you're listening at home or on the app. Maybe you're in Florida somewhere and you just got the KTRS app. Good for you, but it's a uh, it was a messy day out there. Hopefully folks were able to stay in as best as possible. Now things are hopefully on the mend, clearing up a little bit. We've got a show lined up, all Cardinal talk with the Cardinal manager, Ali Marmol. Now, we did tape this before the Matt Carpenter news. So if you're listening and you're saying, he didn't ask about carp. Well, this was before the earth-shattering Matt Carpenter news, which I think caught everybody off guard. It's That's a strange deal. Brendan Weese and I will talk at the end of the show, as we always do, number of topics, but I would love to get his thoughts on where exactly does Carpenter fit on this team. My longtime producer at Fox 2, Dave Job, his theory is it's just to give him a spring training invite, and then if he struggles, he gets to retire as a Cardinal. So I... I don't know if there's a conspiracy theory to this, but I, I understand all the folks who are saying, wait a minute, we brought back Molina, Descalso, albeit not as players, Lance Land, now Carp. What what year is it? It's almost as if they're trolling the fan base. But <clears throat> Ali does talk about his job status going through last year. Did he ever think he was going to be fired? Uh, how do you deal with that when the team's terrible and it's just not getting any better? The idea to bring in Yadier Molina could be a threat, ultimately, to Ali's job as the Cardinals manager. We talk about the Molina role that he'll have in 2024, a little self-scrutiny. He keeps talking about wanting to get better, and I was curious, how does he decide what he did wrong, You know, other than people on message boards? Um, and then the other topic that intrigues me is he can be – candid to a fault you know the Tyler O'Neill thing sort of blew up I think some of the players were glad that he was critical openly you know telling the world that he doesn't hustle but I think some of the younger guys in the room were caught off guard maybe weren't impressed by it so those dynamics are in play here for a younger manager Ali Marmol is the guest here we're going to talk a lot of NFL later I have to ask do you know anyone on Sunday night who wasn't watching the Chiefs and Bills. I mean, I'm just watching the game. It's so compelling. I know we hate the league. We love the game. It's unbelievable week in, week out, how many of the games come down to the final drive. This weekend, you had four games. Green Bay, San Francisco came down to a final Packers drive where they had the ball. Baker Mayfield even had the ball and then threw a pick. Both guys threw a pick. Jordan Love, Baker Mayfield. Of course, Buffalo's final drive could have tied the game up, missed the field goal. Boy, and of all things, wide right. It's just, I mean, it's in lore in Buffalo because of Scott Norwood and the Super Bowl. You just say wide right, that's worse than saying blank you in Buffalo, of all things. But the games are so compelling, and it's a Sunday night, sort of lousy weather around big parts of the country. It would be hard to believe folks weren't just glued to that game. I haven't checked the numbers yet, but... Just in general, how the NFL sort of controls, I think, people's weekend activity, especially this time of year uh, when it comes to the playoffs. I will say in the game, it's amazing how smart these guys are most times. And then they get cute. Buffalo does a fake punt. You're like, what? Buried in your own end? What are you doing? Like, what? I, I don't get that at all. And then Kansas City's just running the ball down Buffalo's throat. And they do a trick play to Nicole Hardman. Like, and then he's the guy who fumbles. And I know there were a lot of controversial calls. And I don't think Tony Romo ever quite knows what's going on. He always seems a little confused. 
But I think the call where Hardman fumbled and it went out of went out of the end zone, I think that was the right call. So if anything, the Chiefs could say that they got screwed on that call. Didn't turn out to matter. There was the Josh Allen fumble where Romo goes, Chiefs, the Chiefs are going to get this ball. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, Buffalo recovered. I didn't see it all he was talking about, but that's one where the Chiefs also could have complained. So a number of the calls went against the Chiefs, and they still won, so there's no beef. Questionable pass interference call on Buffalo, but on that drive, it didn't matter. Chiefs ended up punting anyway. So the refs, even though they miss a lot of calls and don't explain them well, and Romo makes it way more confusing, just spazzing out in the booth. Uh, that was the game of the weekend, as we sort of expected, Chiefs and Bills. But I am I am all in on the Lions. Think about this math. Since 1962, the pro football team in Detroit was 1-12 and 12 in the postseason. 1-12. and 12. And now they've won playoff games in back-to-back weeks. It's, it's easy to root for Detroit. I did a little commentary last night saying that Jared Goff is now our guy as well. Not just the St. Louis kids. Sam Laporta, uh, Jack Fox, Jamison Williams, but also Jared Goff because the Rams dumped him and it was considered a really ex- uh, ugly exit, sort of a messy divorce. I'm like, wait a minute. That's, that's kind of our story. So maybe Jared Goff is our guy as well. Uh, Blues are playing out west all week. They've got Calgary, Vancouver. That's Tuesday, Wednesday. They'll be in Seattle on Friday. Uh, not a lot of college basketball to talk about unless it's Illinois. The Illini are 10th in the country. They had the return of Terrence Shannon Jr. on Sunday. But SLU, 1-4 in, in the A-10. Mizzou, 0-5 in the SEC. We'll tee up a little college basketball talk later as well. Ali Marmol, our guest on the Monday edition of the Kilcoin Conversation, coming to you from the KTR Studios. One of our great sponsors is AAA Home Services, an independent American standard heating and air conditioning dealer, They've been keeping St. Louis families comfortable for 54 years, and there are great rebates right now. So if you've been putting it off, you know you need a new HVAC system, now is the time to call the folks at AAA and get a bid from them because there's unbelievable rebates at this time of the year right now. AAA Home Services is available at 636-397-3200, 397-3200, or on the web, it's AAA stl.com aaastl.com for all your heating and cooling needs year-round but especially right now if you're interested in a new furnace call them set up that appointment for all your needs whether it's electrical plumbing appliance repair one call one stop shop that's AAA home services AAA is on the way that's good news aaastl.com and on the line with us is the Cardinals manager Ali Marmol thanks so much for taking some time when we had John Mozeliak on a couple of weeks ago, uh, he said, you know, I'm trying to not talk about 2023. Where are you at at this point? Coming off the warm-up where a lot of the questions, I'm sure, were still about last year. When when did you get to sort of flush that from your mind? Oh, man. I mean, a lot of fans have questions about it, so you want to make sure you answer every question possible. And um but mentally, like you, you go through the offseason, you, you start to dissect what went wrong, what you did well, what you didn't do well, and um, start to lay out what the adjustments will be moving forward for, for the upcoming year. So you, you, you flush that out, and, and you start thinking about what's possible for 2024. I think the winter warm-up actually serves as a good time for um, hitting the reset button, and I said it during, during the presser there, it's, 
it's a time where fans kind of get excited because players fly in, players are excited, fans are excited, and you start to talk about what's possible moving forward. So hopefully that serves as the the time where you hit the reset button and you flush what, uh, what's behind us and you start eyeing what's ahead. How do you decipher what you what you think you didn't do well? Do you ask other people? Do, does Mo or the DeWitts, who, do, is it just internally? Do you look at games? How do you figure that out? A combination of everything that you just laid out, and you, you have certain people that you trust and speak into it, and people that are, are not um, afraid to to tell you exactly what they see. And um, that's the only way to get better. And there's certain things that were in our control and in my control and certain things out of my control, and uh, you want to make sure that you, you separate those and you really look in the mirror for the things that you're in control of and make sure that um, that you don't repeat them. And uh, I think it's part of kind of how I evaluate every year. And then I allow people to, to speak into maybe some blind spots, um, and that's always helpful. Teams struggle, it happens, and then teams turn it around. Was there a point where, because everybody by nature is going to be optimistic that's on the team or running the club, sure. was there a point where you said, oh, man, okay, it's not happening? Like, I'm sure even as the struggles – carried out you kept thinking for a long time i'm sure all right we're going to go on a streak we're going to turn around you just not only do you say that i feel like you believe it was there a point that when you said okay it's it's just not happening oh man i can't pinpoint the exact time where it's like all right but i mean once you sell off certain pieces you're not trying to i mean you're not really optimistic about making a run um and then you look at the end of the year and does it look awful you, you lost 91 games absolutely um does some of the moves that were made in order to position ourselves for the future of this organization um kind of play into that absolutely um we lost 91 but if you look at what we finished a year with compared to what we started the year with um there's a big difference there so uh you you make certain moves that are important and we got a really good return if you look at our minor league system and what we got for some of the players that we dished out to other clubs um, it worked. So unfortunately, we had to make those moves. But um, at the end of the year, you're just trying to survive. A lot of the moves this offseason, certainly pitching, but I think John Mazalock and Bill DeWitt have all said we're looking for guys with a certain DNA, maybe even that clubhouse voice or edginess or however you want to define it. Uh, how do you know when you need that? Because I remember, I think it was LaRusso would say, I don't go in there, that's their room. When you're the bench coach, you kind of walk through the clubhouse a lot, right? But when you're a manager, you try and kind of leave that to them. Explain to folks that dynamic. And if it changes for you when you become the manager. No, you you actually said it well. When you're the bench coach, you, you have um, more of the ability to walk through that clubhouse and, and you're making sure – uh, everyone has what they need. Um, you're a sounding board for, for a lot of those players and your mediator between the player and, and the manager for, for some of the things that can be resolved before hitting my desk. So as the bench coach, you're constantly, um, you, you have the pulse of that clubhouse. As a manager, you have the pulse of the clubhouse, but you rely on your bench coach to to really um, draw it out of the player if there's something that they're not happy with or something they need or something they see that they want to address with another player that they don't want to handle themselves. So to Tony's point, the, the players, he manages the game, the players manage that clubhouse. And um, to, to the point Mo has made, he wanted to inject certain voices in that clubhouse to help. And um, when you no longer have Albert, you don't have Yachty, you don't have uh, Wayno as players, those 
then you want to make sure that you supplement it with guys that have been around, that have um, experienced the, the ups and downs of being a big leader, that have been punched in the face and, and have made it through and, and know how to react to uh, things not going well and, and how to carry yourself when things are going well. So the addition of a Sonny Gray and Lance Lynn and Gibson, like those guys have experienced all the things that I just laid out. Um, and each one of them have a different personality that are going to speak life into that clubhouse. So um, the moves that Mo and his group have made have been strategic. There's a purpose behind every one of them. And uh, the puzzle pieces are, are, are fall. I mean, it's looking really good right now. It's been a good offseason. How much was Molina not in your ear, but vocal, and people forget. They think, oh, you're the new manager. You've been on that staff since 2017, so you've been in that Cardinal dugout now for the past seven years. How involved is Molina as a player? Was he typically in terms of game, not management, just kind of weighing in on things? Was he pretty vocal even in your first year managing? Um, no, not not extremely vocal. Um, we had a really good working relationship where, where he can come in after the fourth inning and say, hey, here's what I'm seeing, um, and find ways to navigate uh, that starting pitcher or that reliever through, through a game. Um, but as far as, like, he wasn't as vocal as you may think. Um, he picked his spots, and he was good about it. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, the back and forth with Yachty. I mean, I, I, I loved it. Even days he wasn't playing, like just just being able to talk baseball with him, I enjoyed the heck out of it. But um, he would pick his spots where he felt really strong about something. He would say, hey, here's what I'm thinking. Um, but he was, he was very smart about when he, he would do that. And he was interested in coming back. And I, from everything I had heard, you know, he wanted to do the day-to-day, and I think, the more you get closer to that, you're like, are you sure you want to do this? But it sounds like he is—he wants to be as much in as he can. I didn't realize until Mo told us this that he could actually sit on the bench in uniform when he's at a homestand or a road game. Uh, what do you think that'll be like since he's not officially a coach? I said I have this in my head. I see him barking at the Cubs across the diamond or yelling at the umpire, and they're like, wait a minute, what are you doing back here? How, how do you think this is? How do you think this is going to play out? No, I had a ton of back and forth with Yacht, and, and man, my goal was to bring him in and him be here day to day, like every day. Um, and as we got closer and closer, and the more we talked, we, we have to respect the fact that he's been away from his family for two decades, and um, he deserves the ability to make his own schedule and be at home for his son and, and his kids and his wife and, and kind of do regular life. And uh, the more we talked, the timing um, for Yad and his family just wasn't ideal. I, I think, um, he, I mean, he's recently removed from the game, and there's a part of him that, that still wants to be home. And uh, I wanted to be super respectful of that, no different than with Holiday. Um, he, he made the choice, and I respect it, to be with his family. And he's been away for so long, Yadi was no different. So my goal was to have Yadi here every day. And... Um, at some point, that that might be the case, but right now, um, he owes it to his family to be home more often than not. I remember early on reporting that that was the case, that that's what he wanted. Everybody said, oh, you're an idiot. He's not going to – why would he do that? He's got all that money. And I said, you don't understand. I'm not saying I would do it if I were him. I'm just saying you have to understand – 
his DNA that like he he thinks he owes it to the game. He's just obsessed with the game. I mean, speak a little bit about that because people I think look at it. He made all that money. He lives far away. It's just he's different, right? That at some point he does want to yeah. be. He wants to no, do this. It's more about the passion. I mean, he's passionate about the game. He's passionate about teaching. He's and that's the reason you do this, right? Um, it's a big sacrifice. Like I mean, the months of that we're in season, I see my kids very, very little. I see my wife. I mean, I, I hang out with the, the team and the coaches way more than my family. And it's a big sacrifice, and you do it every year. So you, you do it because you're passionate about leading, you're passionate about teaching, you're passionate about the game, and this is how he's built. Um, so at some point, I, I, I do see him back in uniform and doing it and doing it extremely well because it's, I mean, that's his comfort. That's where he feels at home, and, and he loves doing it. Um, so um, at some point, it'll, it'll be the case, and uh, we'll, we'll take as much of him as, uh, as he's willing to, to give early on. Ali Marmol, our guest, the Cardinals manager, spring training right around the corner. And uh, I know we've flushed 2023. Give me your optimism for next year and, and kind of what it's based on. I think Mr. DeWitt said the other day, hey, everything that could go wrong did. And for a lot of years around here, everything that could go right did. Uh, is it as simple as that, or wh- where do you guys need to be better? Uh, yeah, I don't want to completely simplify, but there's a lot of truth to that. If you look at the last 10 years, I mean, different things have happened throughout the course of the season that allow you to, to get into the playoffs and, and take your shot. And I mean, I was a part of that 17-game run in order to sneak in that one year, and then just things worked out in a positive way. And last year, we, we never we never got into that stride where, where it felt right. Um, and when you when you think about optimism for 24, it's not just like, hey, different year and we'll see how it turns out. It's um, when you look at our offense, I feel really good about where we're at there. Uh, we have some some veteran leadership and some that duel at the corners with Goldie and Nato. Um, but also you have some young guys in Walker and Wynn that are going to create a lot of memories for this fan base. But you add another year of experience to Gorman, and that's a scary bat. You add another year of experience to Newbar, and him understanding what the league looks like and being more comfortable with what he can and cannot do um, with his approach. And Donovan's going to be healthy, and Eddie. I think you look at our offense, and it's a lot to get excited about. Then you look at our pitching and the moves that have been made, not only in the rotation, and guys that could eat innings and give you some length, but in that bullpen, uh, some of the moves that have been made, I mean, I'm really happy with some of the swing and miss that we'll have back in the in the back end of our pen. So that's helpful. But then defense, um, that's, a, that's a big deal. And, and you're going into this year a little bit different than last year. Hopefully when comes at the camp and wins that job, but you have a solid plus defending shortstop which allows you to put a plus defender in center field. Um, and you want to be strong up the middle. And um, that, that's, not, that's not something that we were proud of last year was our defense. Um, so there's some changes there that are going to allow for more stability. Walker's been working extremely hard and right, and we'll see an improved version of, of him, a healthy new bar that can play left every day is going to be important as well. And um, you go around and, and you feel better about just guys showing up to the park knowing what they're going to play. Um, you still have versatility in Donovan and Eddie, but throwing Eddie in center field every day is helpful. Having to win at short every day can be helpful. Um, so that in itself 
solidifies that defense. So we can sit here all day and talk about paying attention to the small things and doing the small things better, but personnel as a whole, um, if you just look at that, like that's an improvement and one that we're excited about. And do you think Edmund at some point, and he may not say it to you guys, but is thinking, all right, just pick a spot for me, please. Like He's been very good everywhere he goes. Do you think he'd like to settle in somewhere? Um, yes, but he's not like tied to one place where he's like, I wish I played this position every day. He's excited about playing center field every day. Um, he was excited about playing short. Um, his versatility is what allows him to add a lot of value to this club. So um, he's got the right mindset for it. If he didn't, we wouldn't we wouldn't have to done all the different moves with him, right? Like, if we thought it was hurting him, then we, we definitely would uh, take a deeper look at it. But this is a guy that has the right mentality for it. And um, I am looking forward to penciling him, him in in center field every day and seeing what he's capable of doing. Yeah, I know managers probably, by nature, like to kind of tweak the lineup and move it around. But for the most Not part... Really, though. Like, no. that, that's, you say that. The reality is if you had... Eight dudes every day, nine dudes that you can throw in the same spot. Like, that's nice as well. well um, yeah, maybe I'm it's two different things. So the lineup maybe is a different thought, but I was going to ask that. How much does it take off your plate? If you know every day, okay, Newt's going to be in left, Edmonds in center, Walker's in right, I got my shortstop, I got first and third cover, I got my catcher, and like other than maybe the Gorman, Donovan, second base rotation, whatever that looks like, that probably does take some stuff off your plate if you could settle on your eight. Yeah, and it's it's not so much taking it off my plate as much as giving some stability and continuity to the to the player's mindset, right? So, like, it, it, it's not so much – I don't view it as it, it takes something off my plate. I think it's nice as a player to be able to show up and know I'm hitting here in the lineup and I'm playing here and go get them. Um, so, yeah, having that more set – um, is something that could be extremely beneficial moving forward. And with Contreras behind the plate now, is that pretty much his day-to-day? I know Herrera is going to be in the mix at times because there was that awkwardness last year where we know Wilson wasn't going to be the catcher. Is it more cemented now? Yeah, it, it wasn't so much awkwardness as much as we took a, a break for him to become more accustomed to what it needed to look like moving forward, and he handled it extremely well. I have and I said at the baseball writers dinner that we just had this past week, like my, my respect for, for Wilson is through the roof. Um, and we have a really good relationship, but I, I respect him a ton for the way he handled all of last year and his amount of dedication to the club or himself was incredible. Um, but moving forward, yeah, he, he's working extremely hard at it. Um, he's in Orlando um, every day working on defense and, uh, his hope and, and ours is he's going to come back and be even a better version of himself defensively. And we saw what he did in the second half offensively. It was a, a pretty scary bat. And more of our conversation with Cardinals manager Ali Marmol. More to get to, and we will do that on the other side of this break. Appreciate him taking some time and talking to you, the Cardinal fans out there. Also, our soccer friends, you know all about it. It's the pitch. The new soccer hangout in St. Louis debuted last year along with City Park, and much like the inaugural MLS season, the pitch was a giant hit as well. The pitch is located across the street from City Park. You can't miss it. You take a step outside of the stadium, you can see the pitch. Take a step outside the pitch, you can see the stadium. 
It's right across the street, west side of Union Station, the place to hang out if you're a soccer fan, whether it's going to a city game, meeting there before or during or after the game. And I said this a lot last year, tickets are hard to come by. If you don't have tickets, just go hang out at the pitch. You're going to be part of all the hoopla and the festivities and feel like you're at the game. Not a bad way to spend a Saturday night or a Saturday downtown right there on Market Street. So if you're going to a Blues game, go into Arch Madness, stop by the pitch and walk down Market Street real close to Enterprise Center. And for our friends that love the Champions League, the Bundesliga, Premier League, it is the place to hang out and watch soccer. Beautiful athletic club and tavern. It's the pitch. Find out more at thepitch-stl.com. You're a young guy in this position, but you also were at the minor league level. Were you 25 when you first started managing? Um, sounds about right. I was thinking one of those first jobs. Has it ever been something you feel you need to overcome? I know we've had some umpires where you kind of get it back and forth with them. Uh, does youth work against a manager? Does I mean, do you have to work around that? Do you think? Do the players immediately say, "Oh, well, he's so young"? Is it ever a factor? It, it's never come up until I have to answer a question like this from you, honestly. <laughs> I mean, it, outside of media asking me about it, I never think about it. It never comes up um, from a staff to staff, myself to player. From not, like, it's never anything that has ever kind of hindered my ability to communicate properly with the player or uh, the clubhouse or anything of that nature. So um, my answer would be, no, not, not really. Where does your confidence come from? Because I've you and I have sat in that dugout before, and even when things are going poorly, you never really kind of waver. Is that from childhood and on? Or where, when did you kind of get that instilled? Man, that's, a, that's a really good question. Um, honestly, like I've had some really good people walk next to me and do life with me and teach me what, what matters in life. And there's, there's certain things you're in control. There's certain things you're not. Uh, and uh, I know my purpose on, on this earth is uh, much more than just the X's and O's of a, of a game. Um, I have a lot of confidence in my preparation and uh, the people that have my back every day. You're going to go through periods. I, I was able to spend uh, a decent amount of time after the baseball writers there with, with Tony LaRusso. And it was so interesting to hear from him, you read about it, maybe you hear stories from other people, but coming out of his own mouth, how difficult um, this job is over time when you do it for 10, 20, 30 years and the ups and downs that you're going to experience and how he personally navigated the noise and, and got through it certain times. And, and it, it's good to hear, but having people speak into different situations in your life, you're able to take a step back and you go, you know what? Here's what I know I'm good at. Here's what I need to work on. And um, here's how I'm going to go about it. Uh, and when things are going well, great. And when things aren't, um, at least you have a, a really good idea of where you're headed and how you're wanting to get there. And you just keep plowing through it. So I'm not sure how else to answer that other than I, I do feel prepared. And I've, I've had really good people walk alongside of me um, for a long time. So. Now, it's interesting because when Tony started with the White Sox, he was really young. And I said to him once, I said, did you get hammered for it? He goes, yeah, by the media. Nobody else cared. And I was like, we're, <laughs> and that's the truth. I, mean, I think it was broadcaster specific <laughs> back then. Right? You have to sit there and you have to talk for a long time. And uh, <laughs> at some point you have to make stuff up. And that's just the reality. It's not, like, 
it's you need something to talk about, and what's easier than to run to the fact that hey, he's not as experienced, or he's young, or it's a talking point that honestly doesn't come up ever outside of these conversations. Did you ever worry last year that you were going to get fired as the losses piled up? Was it ever, I mean, I know at some point Mo probably talks to you, but was it ever a thought? Listen, if, if that what took place, it takes place. Like I, I worry myself zero about that. Like I know what value I bring to the organization. If that was the answer, then it would have happened. Right. Um, so I have a ton of respect for our ownership and our front office for how they handled last year. I also said this at the baseball writers dinner because I wanted people to hear it. The you find out about people when you go through difficult times. Like you really understand how people operate and why they operate the way they do and who they truly are. And I can say that in 2023, as terrible of a season that it was, our ownership and our front office were as consistent with myself and my staff as they were in 2022 when we were riding the highs of Albert chasing 700 and winning the division by seven games. And you, you make the list out. It was a positive year. Did we get beat by Philly? Absolutely. But they were as consistent with me and my staff in 23 as they were in 22. And that speaks a lot as to how they operate. You like hearing from fans. You're willing to do it. I know you've got some events coming up here where you're going to actually do we'll call it a meet and greet, but unplug, taking questions. Now, you, you realize you're opening yourself up to the gauntlet there. Uh, again, I think that speaks to your confidence in, like, they can ask you anything. I feel that way from a media standpoint, that you're willing to talk about it, maybe even debate it. Um, how important is that to you to kind of – because fans can sit at home and say, this guy's the worst. Why don't they fire him? But when they're sitting in front of you, I'm sure the tone is going to be different. Uh, why is that important to you to, to do that with the fans? Because you owe it to the fans. They're, I mean, they're the reason we do this. Um, I feel a great responsibility to answer questions to those that are tuning in every night to watch us play. And um, I have zero problem, you said, just opening yourself up to the gauntlet. I'm more than happy to do that. And some people just want to be able to interact and ask questions that are um, – decent questions and some people want to get after you and, and I'm okay with either one part of being a fan is being passionate and when things don't go well you're you're passionate about why they didn't go well so I'm okay sitting in front of a group and, and going through that I think it's it's important um, for the last I don't know 17 18 years you wake up and every day you're thinking about how to make this organization better and um, there's certain years that don't go the way you want them to um, last year was was brutal so if fans have questions i'd rather you instead of yelling at your tv come let's go talk about it (laughs) yeah and i also think you are willing to be open and honest is that ever an issue like the tyler o'neill situation you were pretty open you were mad that he didn't hustle are there times i want a manager as unfiltered as possible i want you to say anything and everything how do you balance it because sometimes fans might be like you didn't play so and so well they don't know that that player came to you and said I don't want to go today. I'm tired or whatever. They, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you guys have to kind of hold back. How do you balance that when you want to tell people the truth? Yeah, it, it, you have to protect the player and there's times you, you you pick and choose when you want something out there and when you don't. Um, I can tell you that before you sit in front of that mic after every game, you're, you're pretty thoughtful about what you're going to be willing to say and what you're not. I, I'm not very reactive in nature when it comes to saying something that I 
didn't plan on things. Um, so, yeah, you, you want to have the players back. You want to protect the clubhouse. You want to make sure that there's accountability as well. And uh, I've been equally as open about when I jack something up. And that's what I think people sometimes are afraid to do because it's going to be held against you and people can run in a hundred different directions, a hundred miles an hour. And, and if you self-admit that, hey, here, here's what I didn't do well, I left this guy in too long, or here's what I think I could have done better, but the reality is put it out there who cares um at least that's the way i think about it i think if you're going to say that honesty is important to you well you also have to be honest about when you look in the mirror and be able to point things out um that maybe aren't in line with the the mission of getting to a world series so um accountability goes both ways where do you want to be better you said you did a lot of self-analysis kind of reflecting and in is any of that strategy? What what did you come away with that you're willing to share? Yeah, strategy, strategy, strategy. I, I think the X's and O's are one thing. Um, everyone has an opinion on, on certain moves. The reality is, um, when when they communicate what they would have done, it's a hundred percent certainty that theirs would have worked, <laughs> and that's just not how this how this actually works. So X and O's is one thing. Um, when you start to break down. The staff and the players, I think there's some things internally that, that we're working on that I think could, could speak volumes to how this season goes. Um, we'll keep those in-house. But um, at the end of the day, this is the most excited I've been going into a year. I'll tell you that. How about me saying to you, maybe you don't need to always be unfiltered. Then it gives me a, we're going to keep that in-house. I did it to myself there. I should be like, just tell us everything <laughs> at all times. I'll tell you what, the manager position, at least in the division, uh, boy, it's prioritized. How about the Cubs taking counsel from Milwaukee? That did not sit well with my Brewer friends, but uh, it's it's kind of a compliment to the position, isn't it? The level of importance that the Cubs placed on it. What did you think of that move? Um, yeah, I, I I haven't put a whole lot of thought into it. Obviously, you see uh, it take place. Um, it, it's within the division, but um, it, it's an important position, man. Leadership's important. Um, how, how you lead not only your staff at the big league level um, and how you treat them, but, but the players and then the minor league system and making sure that you're instilling certain qualities that speak more to the continuity all the way to the bottom. Um, so I, I do think the position is extremely important. Obviously, they place the value on that that, that we haven't seen in a long time or ever um, from a financial standpoint. But at the end of the day, it's... Um, you're leading people. That's why when you ask about the X's and O's, that, that's one thing, that this is a, a game played by humans who experience certain pressures and anxieties and have families and kids and, and, and deal with a lot throughout the course of the season and how you handle that's important. So, um, yeah. You got a couple of guys in Goldie, Arenado, who are – now, Goldschmidt's a little older than Arenado, but guys who are getting later in their career – they want to win. They came to St. Louis to win. It's not your obligation, but I'm curious your sense from them how important it is. You know, last year was horrible for everybody. These guys are potential Hall of Fame players who want to be in October. How do you how do you sense from what do you sense from them in terms of their drive to say let's let's get this right, let's fix it together. We got to be in October. It's not just be in October. If you ask Goldie, he he was not satisfied with getting to the playoffs um they want to ring to your point they they they've been in the sleep for a while um 
there'll be a time where they're no longer doing this, and they want to make sure that every year they're taking the best shot and they're preparing in order to do that. You're, you're going to see a very motivated Arenado. Um, Goldie has spent a lot of time this offseason not only improving himself, but making sure that he's bringing others alongside with him, and, and I think you'll see the fruits of that as well. Um, so from a clubhouse standpoint, I'm extremely excited as to where it stands today. And uh, I think you're right. These guys want to make sure that they take their shot, and at the end of their career they're able to uh, have at least uh, one ring to show for it. All right, final thought. One of your great contributions in 2022 was getting Mo and Albert on the phone together, getting Pujols to come to St. Louis. Albert told us, Albert told us, he said, I talked to Ali and let's go here. And boy, that worked out. Can Albert come around? I know he works for the Angels in some capacity. Do you anticipate seeing him at spring training? And, and do you ever see him getting involved at the coaching level? Yeah, I think at some point, but he does have his contract. Uh, with the Angels, which uh, doesn't allow him to actually participate to the degree that we would want in, in St. Louis. Um, but um, I, I talk to him often. He, he, he's a really good friend, um, and uh, we get to kind of bounce things back and forth uh, during the off season. I mean, I, I just saw him not too long ago, a couple of weeks ago, and, and he's always a phone call away, so I, I appreciate his the relationship I have with him. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I, I mean – from us seeing him in spring training, it won't be anything scheduled. Yeah. Well, Ollie, we appreciate you hopping on, and uh, good luck with all your fans. Meet and greet, and we will uh, see you at spring training. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Well, hopefully some of those answers resonated with you from Ollie Marmol. I know his, uh, he knows, too. He's not going to win any popularity contests these days, but he's willing to uh, get out there and meet and greet, talk to folks, answer questions. So, Glad he was on the show. We'll see how things play out this year. I do think Molina lurking in the background. I don't know if you saw that, but he won a manager. As a manager in Puerto Rico, he just won some tournament down there with his team, and he's moving on to the next level, some kind of championship. So he's he's very actively managing in baseball. So I think at some point, everybody's going to say, when's Yari the next manager? But I think Ali embraces the idea of having him on the staff, which we're not on the staff, whatever the heck this role actually is going to be. For Molina. So that's something we'll keep a close eye on for sure. We'll talk a lot about in 2024. Also want to tell you about Illinois Recovery Center located in Swansea, Illinois. It's a beautiful campus. That's one thing I like to point out because when you're going in to deal with addiction, you want to be in an environment that's not real sterile, just a place where you're comfortable. So you can kind of focus on the addiction and get the help you need doing it with group therapy, individual therapy, medical-assisted therapy, all evidence-based treatment programs. Again, Swansea, Illinois, so not far at all from downtown St. Louis. Good place to go to get your life back together. You can embrace sobriety. You have a great, compassionate team, professional staff, many of them with their own story of recovery. So whether it's alcohol or drugs, we know right now in this world, in this country, we're dealing with the epidemic that's out there, the opioid crisis. Get help with one call, one place. It's IllinoisRecoveryCenter.com. Safe, inclusive environment. And again, they have different programs, whatever you need, residential or outpatient. Set up an appointment. Read more about their story. It's IllinoisRecoveryCenter.com. There's help. There's hope right across the river at Illinois Recovery Center. And welcome back to Kilcoin Conversation on this Monday. We bring in sports director at KTRS, 
Brendan Weese, who is also sort of an amateur meteorologist. You had to be loving the uh, forecast going oh. into money just to see how it would play out. Because that line seemed to be so close between ice and rain and snow, it's like a James Taylor song. But did you watch sports or did you watch the Weather Channel this week? <laughs> well, I hate – I mean, ice is like the worst, right? Of all the potential weather hazards that can kind of be fun as a weather nerd, you know, severe weather is, is kind of cool. You just don't want it to do any damage or obviously hurt anyone. Snow is – it's cool as it's happening. It's not so fun once it's on the ground. You have to shovel and and uh, navigate around. But there's nothing fun about ice, Martin. And I do, uh, I, I do sympathize with your colleague Glenn Zimmerman and all the meteorologists in town. I mean, what what a thankless job because it is so difficult to forecast winter weather in St. Louis because we are always right on the border, right on the line between is this going to be like Armageddon or are we going to get, you know, six hours of a cold rain? You just it 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 you walk such a fine line and those guys that there's no winning for losing. I mean it is uh if if you get it right and there's snow. It's like, well, you forecast ten inches, and we only got seven. And, and then the the usual outcome is, <laughs> you forecast snow, and all we got is rain. And uh, th- th- it can't be fun for your guy Glenn at all. It sort of reminds me when I was an intern. This is years ago, Milwaukee NBC affiliate. I had just got out of college, and the sports guy comes back from doing sports, and he was kind of this is you know early '90s, so it was still a little bit of the wacky sports guy would do weird yeah. stuff. And he kind of had that reputation, and he comes back to the sports office, and he said, oh, no, no, don't answer the phone. It was ringing. And I said, well, I thought I was the intern. I was supposed to answer for this. No, no, he goes, never answer the phone right after the sports cast is over. And I was laughing because he goes, they never call to say good job. It's sort of the same with the weather guy. <laughs> How often does the weather guy get told, oh, good job. You got? They only tell you when you got it wrong. Like, nobody ever says, oh, yeah, it did snow a foot today. You got it right. It snowed three inches. You got it right. It's always, you guys got it wrong. But it did make for a snow day. My kids are bouncing off the wall all day. (laughs) And so uh, chances kind of move slow on this Monday, which I'm fine with. It feels like a Monday, Brendan. I'm not going to throw any weird loops, you know, and say it's Tuesday, Wednesday. It, It is a Monday, a lot of NFL over the weekend. I know you're not a huge NFL guy, and we've talked a lot about the Chiefs. Like, I don't mind if the Chiefs win, but I'm not a passionate Kansas City fan, and I just don't want it forced down my throat that this is our team, and yet I look at the Fox 2 website, and there's 18 Chiefs stories. So <laughs> sort of the world I'm living in right now. Uh, but that game was awfully compelling, I mean, and I said it at the outset. I, I can't imagine very many people that I know that wouldn't have been watching. Yeah, uh, I had it on, and they, they're they're the one team. I feel like the NFL, and this is beyond you know the whole Taylor Swift thing. Although obviously she's brought a ton of eyeballs to the uh, to the equation here, but it just it feels like the league needs the Chiefs. They're they're just, and even this has not been their best year. Their offense has stalled a bunch. Patrick Mahomes has no consistent wide receivers. Travis Kelsey at times has really looked his age, like maybe he's at the the end of his line after his brother recently retired as well. But they they really do move the needle. Uh, I, I mean, enough of the talk about the you know Dallas Cowboys as as America's team. I'm not so sure it's the Chiefs, but they might be the closest thing because they are entertaining from beginning to end. Patrick Mahomes a big part of it, and then the Buffalo Bills. They're 
uh, they're a, you, you never know what you're going to get from those guys. And they came so painfully close yesterday, Martin. And like you said, wide right, it, it brings you back to that uh, – to the uh, 1990 Super Bowl played in January 1991 uh, with, uh, like you said, Scott Norwood. That They're never going to live that down, and I, I guess maybe it's better that it happened in the divisional round as opposed to the Super Bowl again, but wow, to be a Buffalo Bills fan, I don't know. Uh, I was on a group text with Randy Naughton, so there was a lot. Oh, She's that's right, Randy. Oh, no. I, just, I finally just didn't even respond. I felt so bad. There was like nothing you can say. <laughs> no. <laughs> just, had to let it go. Uh, I would watch those two teams play. I hope they're in the playoffs, and I think they play during the regular season next year. But man, yeah. hopefully they keep meeting in the playoffs no just doubt. for our entertainment. Am I wrong, or is? And I think there's some of it nationally gets written about. Tony Romo is just like he needs a decaf or something. He's just screaming, and some of it doesn't make sense. He, I think, it was late. The Chiefs had the ball. He goes, "Okay, no incompletions here." I'm like, <laughs> "There's, there's zero percent chance." zero percent that they would throw a pass i'm like you're an, you're an nfl quarterback clocks at a buck 40 like what what are you talking about another time he screamed on the josh allen fumble chiefs are gonna get it jim chiefs are gonna get it and buffalo had recovered the fumble and he said look here they, they drag him away they'll get the ball and like nothing came from it just moved on and it was bill's ball it was like he was just like he was off his rocker. It's become his shtick. I will say the Chiefs fumble that went went out of the end zone. He said and Jim did not see it. In fact, because it was so close to the sideline, you're sort of screened from the action that's happening down there in in that short corner. Uh, he said, I think he he said as the play was happening, oh my god, oh my god, and went out of the end zone before anybody, before Jim or before you really started to realize what was going on. Romo was on that, so I'll give him credit. He kind of, yeah, yeah, he kind of laid out the drama for that play, which you thought really might have swung the game. It didn't for the Bills, but it felt like a a, a pretty. Uh, a pretty tide turning moment and uh, I, I did think Romo added to the drama of what was a, a very very significant play it definitely elevates the energy yeah <laughs> the no, doubt. no just, doubt he's like going nuts the whole game I mean hey it works for him he's highly paid and obviously CBS got the Super Bowl so settle in and get ready for a couple <laughs> of more weeks of yeah. Tony Romo I don't know what to say about the local basketball and Slew being one in four the 810 swept on the road trip with Dayton and VCU, probably what we expected. Mizzou being 0-5, you know, they battled even in some games. And Tamar Bates had his coming out party, but I just think it's going to be kind of a, a slog here the rest of the way. What, what really hurts is that here is Bates and his coming out party with 36. He scores 36 at home, and you still lose by double digits. I mean, what is right. going on with these guys? Um, they, he, you, you can't. One guy has a big game, and they can never pair up like two or three guys really playing well at the same time because it it, it feels like uh, Carter struggles every two or three games. Sean East has finally started to uh, you know hit the skids a little bit. He may be sick earlier last week, might have been part of it. I don't know, but they don't they they can't defend and they don't rebound. Martin, I say that, but I note. They didn't defend, and they didn't rebound last year, and they made it to the second round of the tournament. So the easy math is that they just don't quite have the players. But, man, oh, man, when we expected a step backwards, I didn't think we expected something like this. There are extenuating circumstances, but, man, it's been tough. 
What is coming up on the Big Sports Show tonight? So we've got Ben and me. We will talk about uh, the Matt Carpenter situation, I'm sure, a little bit more as uh, everybody is still kind of scratching their head about that. Uh, Miggy Perez uh, loaned out by City today down to the USL level. Uh, Birmingham club so he won't be with the uh, city in the early portions of the season and then we'll talk some MVC hoops the valley on the big 550 Martin comes everyone's way at eight o'clock all right sounds good don't forget about alter travel for all your travel needs whether it's domestic or international business pleasure whatever it is a honeymoon destination wedding group vacation family trip beach vacation any of the above alter travel has the expertise to help you it's more than 40 years now They have been one of the largest full-service agencies in this region. We talk about having a great team, especially with sports. It's always about the team that you have. Well, at Altair Travel, they have 50-plus travel specialists. So when you call over there and you've got a trip in mind, they have an expert who can help you with all those plans. You can do it over the phone or even say, I want to come over there and check out that meeting space called the living room, that awesome place where you can set up your trip in person. They've been in Brentwood for years, right next to OB Clark's. It's Altair Travel. Dot com 314-968-9600. 314-968-9600 for all your travel needs, domestic, international, business, or pleasure, alltairtravel.com.